The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot, that is, uh, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Rachel Prevet, and I am joined by my awesome, fantastic QB expert co-host, Mark Schofield. So first off, Mark, I know you're on vacation. Hopefully you're able to, you know, enjoy yourself and relax a little bit. But how are you doing? Have you been getting to relax? Um vacationed with kids it's just like going to be annoyed and frustrated in a different place it's not always a relaxing event um, but i do have a lovely painting of a water scene behind me which is which is fantastic i tried to set it up so i'd have like the ocean and stuff behind me but it made me look like a ghoul the lighting was just awful and look i'm not working with a lot here anyway so when i make it look worse like that nobody wants to see that but i'm good we have football to talk about Rachel, which is Ooh. awesome. How how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling refreshed. You know that we have something to talk about this week. So we do. hopefully, you know, we can learn, the listeners can learn, and we can, you know, just dive right into it. So we can, but we, we gotta start. I got a I got a movie quote no. up for today. Go which first. I'm very excited about. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go with Major League, that that okay. baseball movie. Um, sort of a you know a, a bit of a, a sports classic, and there there's a scene when the Indians start sort of winning some games, and Lou Brown, the manager, turns to his bench coach and he says, "Starting to come together, Pepper. Starting to come together." And that's kind of Rachel how I felt watching Jalen Hurts. I'm just gonna say that. So that that's my quote for today. Do you get something teed up for us? I like that. I like that one a lot. I do have something teed Here up we go. today. And I chose song lyrics, of course. Um, I chose lyrics from J. Cole's um, song, Punch in the Clock. And uh, he uses a soundbite from Damian Lillard's uh, post-game interview from the bubble. Oh, right, yeah. So I chose something from that. And it says, in the summer, I think when you truly prepare yourself and with training and conditioning and things like that, when you treat, when you cheat yourself, you fall in those moments, you know, you crash. And when you really put the time in and whether people see it or whether people know it or not, you know, it always comes to light. I chose these specific lyrics because of Quez Watkins. Oh, yeah. You know, he was a you know standout in the preseason game last Thursday against the Steelers. We all know that he had the really nice uh, short screen pass from Joe Flacco, ran the 79-yard touchdown, and he was the shining star of the night. But during the press conference, both Jalen Hurts and Quez Watkins touched on the fact that this is nothing new. 
Like right. Wes Watkins has been, you know, grinding all off season. He's been putting in the work during training camp and his hard work his him being able to punch the clock is literally just being able to come to light. And um, I think that that fit very nicely with what the song is saying. That's a perfect, that's a perfect selection ratio. I love it. And actually, let me, let me start there with asking you this. Was Quez like your sort of highlight from Thursday night? It was my like, highlight. All the stuff we talk about with Hurts and all that stuff, was, was Quez it? Quez was the highlight. I yeah. think that was a very explosive play. So seeing, and it came from Joe Flacco, so that was kind of cool too. But I thought that right. that was my highlight of the night. Like he put them wheels on, he was moving. That was it. That was the best play of my night. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. I, I think what's really sort of impressive about that play is the ability to create an explosive play in the passing game with a throw that barely gets to the line of scrimmage. Like when you have that ability as an offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, that's a, that's a dangerous thing to have if you're a defense. That's an incredible thing to have if you're an offense. And the way that Watkins just erased angles, yes. right? and, and when you watch that run, the way he sort of like sizes up that first defender that's got a shot at him and yes. just sets him up with his eyes before continuing to the outside, just an incredible play. Yeah, I mean, I was so blown away by that. Me too. I haven't been hearing too much credit being give, given to um, Dick Rod. He had like yeah. a block um and it was someone else who was in on that play as well but i want to shout out them as well because i mean it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for them blocking like yeah i mean the left tackle toth i'm watching the play right now he actually does a really good job to get it to the outside and, and that's one of those things that you need on these short throws if you're going to have these design screens you've got to get people out in front to sort of pave the road be the convoy all that stuff so tough you know d-rod you know they needed that for that play certainly Watkins and his speed mm -hmm. you know certainly helps set the table with that but yeah getting guys to sort of pave the road was huge for sure for sure and we're going to get into some exciting football talk this week you know we're, we are going to uh, recap a little bit of last week's game but we're also going to compare uh some cover one man versus cover two man something that you sent me to look at so yep. that's going to be exciting and we're also going to preview this week's uh week two preseason game against the patriots so i mean i think we should maybe you know jump right into the cover one uh man versus cover two man so yeah, and I said to these two plays, we talked about a little bit because it's kind of, you know, we've spent so much time these first two shows talking about Jalen Hurts and that decision making, right? The time and getting the ball out. That's what we wanted to see. And of course, the play that sort of got everybody excited from Hurts and his limited action last Thursday night was that deep completion, the deep out route to Dallas Goddard. And when I watched that play, I thought there has to have been an example of this from last year. So we're talking about the play from Thursday night. What's interesting about it is they send Goddard in motion before the snap from left to right, and you see a defender trail them. So if you're a quarterback, Rachelle, you know that's man coverage, right? You, you see the guy go in motion. You see a defender follow him. So Hertz knows before the snap that it's man coverage. Mm -hmm. But you've got to still make the read, make the throw, get it out on time in rhythm. So this is sort of a flood or a sale concept. Outright, outside receiver goes deep. Goddard runs that deep out, and then you get the runner back releases of the flat. So it's sort of a three-level read, right? You've got the deep route, the intermediate out route, the deep vertical, the intermediate out route, which is your middle read, and then the runner back in the flat. Yes. But what stands out about this play for me, Rachel, is this. Hertz is so precise on time and in rhythm with his throw because he takes the shotgun snap, hits his depth 
final step of his drop, and the ball is already coming out. He's making the decision to throw when Goddard has yet to even get close to make his break, right? Yes. Like, Goddard is still – so Hertz is, like, in the pocket. Goddard is at, like, the 40-yard line when Hertz starts his throw in motion. Goddard then takes two more steps and cuts his break at, like, the 45. So he goes five more yards downfield after Hertz has already made the decision to throw this football. That to me is like absolute pristine time. It's all the stuff that you and I have talked about these past two shows, getting the ball out on time in rhythm and all that stuff. And it's also a great example. You can see in this play and we can tweet them out for the gentle listeners so they can get an idea of what we're talking about. The ball is already halfway to Goddard when he turns around. It's like that thing we talked about last week where if the receiver sees you throw it, Mm -hmm. it's too late. Exactly. And so I saw that play. And I'm like, there has to have been an example of this from a couple of years ago. And there certainly was from last year, week 16 against Dallas. Mm-hmm. We'll send this play out as well. It's two men. So you get the pre-snap movement. It's the same, but now you've got two high safeties. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's the one man is you've got one deep safety in the middle of the field and everybody else play a man coverage cover two men, two deep safeties, everybody else play a man coverage, but it's the same route concept the vertical, the out, and the flat. And in this play last year, week 16 against Dallas, you get the motion. He knows it's man. He sees the two high safeties, and he still throws the same route, that deep out route, and he completes it for a big game. But if you watch that play, he waits. He waits to see. You saw it. You saw it. You pointed it out to me. You're like, he waits. He waits to see the break. He waits to see him come open. He waits to see all of that. And that's the difference that Rachel and I have been talking about. That's the stuff that we wanted to see. Forget the production, forget the stats, whatever. That little difference right there is going to be the difference between Hurts being good and Hurts being great. Because when you make that throw, ball's already halfway there before the receiver turns around. That's anticipation. That's rhythm. That's timing. That's all that stuff. When he has to wait to see it, it's only completed last year because the guy's wide open. Yeah. But he has to wait to see if he's not trusting himself. To this. So this is what you and I were talking about. And so when I saw that play Thursday night, I'm like, here we go. Yeah. We don't, and I, I said them to you, like, this is our show. Yeah. I was like, these two plays are exactly what I wanted to see from Hurts. And so there's my quick little spiel. I thought, it, and I was like, one thing that I did um, kind of notice, this was last season's game against the Cowboys. I was like, the ability to be able to um, read the defense, of course, against the Steelers um, this season, this preseason game, uh, you could tell that his adjustments were a little bit quicker. And like you said, they were more decisive. Like saw the defender on the end come in. It looked like he was going to blitz. He did blitz from the Steelers preseason game. And immediately um, you see Jalen Hurts make those uh, adjustments. He tells the, I think it was the tight end to shift. And then you see uh, the running back shift over. So I was like, you can tell like he was paying attention. He was aware of what was going on and he was a lot quicker, like with the release, like you just mentioned, compared to when you watch uh, the play with the Cowboy against the Cowboys last season. But one thing I did see with the Cowboys is it low key looked like the deep defenders were disguised in a cover three at first, in my opinion, when I was watching it, yeah. you see, I think that's number 29. I think it's Goodwin. I'm pretty sure that's who yeah. it is. He presses in, but immediate at first I thought it was a cover three. So being able to, you know, as Jalen Hurts decipher, like when the defense is trying to disguise themselves as something 
that they're not like you can kind of tell like he's made a lot of uh, progress and a lot of growth from last season to this season he was a lot slower getting the ball out last season against the Cowboys so I was looking at the timing as well with his quick release yeah and, and that's what's what's going to be so critical for him as he sort of goes forward because you're right and the sort of Cowboys example they really sort of disguise a pre-step because they've got Three defenders sort of lurking deep, yeah. but then that middle guy, and it, 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 it's tough for Hertz to sort of tell, okay, is it going to be the, th- the cover three, three deep? Are they going to spit it to sort of a, a cover two like they end up doing here? Are they going to spit it to a two-man or a Tampa two? Tampa two is where you have that sort of middle of the field defender kind of cover that in sort of intermediate zone area between the safeties. So it's a it was a bit of an easier read for Hertz on Thursday night. Obviously, you know, preseason, yeah. vanilla-type defenses. You know, but at the same time, you had that motion. You had that sort of motion, and you yeah. see against the Cowboys, the defender trail that. So Hertz should have known that, okay, whatever it is, whether it's two-man, whether it's, you know, they spend to something else, it's going to be some sort of man coverage. Mm-hmm. And he didn't quite sort of use that information. A lot of people have said, you know, you could do pre-snap motion as an offense for two things. You could do it for sort of impact, right? You set a guy in motion, somebody's trying to chase him or something, you throw to him in the flat. Like if you think that division around game last year between, you know, the Rams and the and the Packers, you had that touchdown in the red zone to Devontae Adams when Jalen Ramsey was trying to sort of chase him across the formation. That sort of motion for impact. You're trying to make it tougher on an individual player. But then there's motion for information like this, where you set a guy in motion, he's telling the quarterback, like, okay, it's man coverage or it's zone coverage or whatever. Hertz had that information available to him. He just didn't take advantage of it last year. He took advantage of it on Thursday night. And that's part of it, I feel like, is being able to, as the quarterback, being the leader, be in command and be like, kind of a little bit more assertive. Like you can kind of tell last year against the Cowboys, you know, he was a little bit more, uh, probably a little bit more nervous. So he wasn't really as in command of his offense, but you can tell with the Steelers, he really took his time. Like he read it, he made the first adjustment, he made the second adjustment and he was ready to go. So something that's going to get better and better with repetition. So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He took command of his offense. So yeah, I, I think taking command is a perfect way to phrase it. Like you have to be like that leadership role in charge, in command. You know they're going to follow you whatever you do, and you have to make the quick right decisions with the information available. He did that on Thursday night. That's what I want to see this Thursday against the New Patriots defense, which. We might see some different looks from them. It might might not be as vanilla, as static. Bill Belichick might sort of dial up some different defenses, some different coverages. So I'm very curious to see that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And I did want to touch on something that I also saw as well, which was like the talk of the town with the what could have been um, completion to Quez Watkins. Do you remember that play from yeah. the preseason game? And last week you touched on the fact that Jalen Hurts has to throw the ball in front of the receiver. He did, but it was very much so overthrown to Quez Watkins in this play. And um, it was thrown a little bit too far in the inside. So I wanted yeah. to kind of touch on that play a little bit too, because you had you hit on that in our last episode. Yeah, in these sort of vertical throws, it's it's so hard. Like, you know, you've got the cover one coverage. You've got the man coverage on Quez on the outside. And you're backed up in your own end zone. And this is something I think it's important to remember, sort of give it at that context, right? Because it's not like it's a throw from your, your the 50-yard line or something. He's going to make this throw from his own end zone. And they bring pressure on this. Pittsburgh, yeah. <laughs> they bring both linebackers. And he knows he's got to get rid of this quickly. And so... You know, he misses on the throw. He absolutely misses on the throw, right? Like you said, it's so right. It's not just overthrow, but he left it inside. Like it, the leaving it inside is a thing I have more of a problem with. Like if he were to just simply overthrow this, it's like, okay, fine. Like a, it's a tough throw. You've got to get it off quickly. You don't want to get a sack. You don't want to get a sack for a safety, but you can't leave that throw inside. You know, because most corners can at least have that guy walled off to the inside and have inside leverage. You want to put this outside over his shoulder. And he kind of missed it to the inside. And so, you know, it, it, it's a shame he missed it. I mean, if Quez went for the screen pass later in the game for the touchdown, but also had like a 96-yard touchdown catch as well, two catches for what, 169 or yeah. something like that crazy. Yeah. Like people would have been buying the jerseys. Like they would have been sold out by yes. now. So it would have been great if he hit that. Okay. But I think it's also something to remember. He still took the chance, right? Yes. Like, and I, I think that's should that should be commended because – he had two sort of curl routes to the other side and he had a sit route from the tight end over the middle that was actually wide open. Mm -hmm. And so it, had he just checked it down or made one of the easier throws, maybe that was the, the right decision. And I'm very curious your thoughts on the tight end because the tight end's wide open in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. And I'm very curious. I'd love to ask the coaches like Nick Sierra. Okay. How did you grade this play? Are you happy he took the risky throw because he had the man matchup you want? Or would you rather see him just check it down to the tight end? I like the fact that he took the risk because I yeah. feel we saw him lean on the tight ends a lot. And that's something that's important, especially for you're going to see that a good amount with a young uh, quarterback. So he, yeah. we saw him lean on Ertz. We saw him uh, lean on Goddard. But being able to throw and everybody's talking about his accuracy and is he going to be able to throw the ball? I want to see him make those decisions in preseason so we can see that he's getting those reps. Like we said, we're going to need him to become a little bit more accurate, but I feel like that's going to take more repetition with Quez Watkins. So I would give it, I mean, it wasn't like an A plus. I would give him more right. of a, maybe like a B plus because he tried it and it takes sometimes taking risks. How long are you going to learn unless you're right. taking those risks? In yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a great way to put it. It's kind of like we talked about last week. Like we talked a little bit about the Zach Wilson answer where it's like, this is training camp. This is preseason. I want to see what I can and cannot do. Yeah. I, he took that throw. Now he knows, okay, well, if I'm going to make that throw again, this is where I'm going to put it. But maybe if I see this, you know, week one, I hit the wide open tight end and we just move the chains and go on. Like, it's okay to be aggressive now and see what you can and can't do. I, I think you're exactly right, Rachel.
What did you think about Dwayne Haskins' performance? It's funny. There was that throw that he missed, and then people were kind of like losing their mind over it. I thought Haskins was pretty good. I mean, I came away like pretty impressed with what he did, with how he played. And I know we both talked about how this is a good opportunity for him, and we'd like to see him win that backup job. If this was week one, I think he's their backup quarterback. And I'm completely on board with it. Um, I think he showed a good, like we used, you used that phrase, command. I think he showed command of their offense, command of what they wanted to do. Yeah, he missed on a throw, and a lot of people were saying, oh, he's got that guy wide open. This is a good little reminder. Emery Hunt, who I love, he's brilliant. He pointed out that both Mike Tomlin and Dwayne Haskins were telling that receiver that he needed to keep going upfield. If you're ever wondering, like, did somebody screw up? Watch the sideline after a play because you will often get your answer that way. And with both quarterback and coach said, hey, man, you need to keep that vertical. Haskins, I think, expected that receiver to keep going vertical. That's why he sort of led him upfield. The guy sat down. And that's one of those scramble drill kind of rules. And teams have that, right? If you see the quarterback move one way or the other, guys go deep, guys that are short go deep, guys that are deep come close, guys that are away, they like try to get in the quarterback's field of vision. And that was a guy that should have kept going deep. And that's what Haskins was expected. So I was impressed with him. And I, we, I think you were too, right? Yes. I was very impressed by him, especially we already talked about this last week, just based off of him coming from last season. I was impressed. He, I think he did a really good job. I think that he had a legit strong throwing arm. Oh, yeah. In preseason week one. So, um, mind you, one thing that I have to keep in mind is that he was going up against a second and third string Eagles defense. So, it's kind of like, um, yeah. But I think he sh- I think he looked good, and I think he will be able to beat out Mason Rudolph for that. I, I think so. I think so because – and the other thing is this. Like, you know what you've got in Mason Rudolph, right? Like, you know what he is. Like, you're not getting anything more. This is still very young in Haskins' career. Like, and Washington, the experience there, was probably the best sort of environment. Mm-hmm. I, I think you take a chance on the guy. I mean, I, I really do. So, yeah. I mean, And what's frustrating is they've still got Joshua Dobbs, who I like a lot, who – for the sake of humanity, should probably go be the astronaut that he's destined to be and save the world because he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, the, the NASA internship that he had like last offseason, I mean, Josh Jobs is like sort of like Ben Solak, right? Like Ben Solak, we know him, we love him, he's brilliant. Yeah. But like Ben, go save the world, okay? Take yeah. Go take off, go fly, go save the world. Let's save it with Josh Dobbs. Like I, I saw like a Q&A that like Josh Dobbs did where he was talking about like jet propulsion and all this stuff. And I'm just like, Man, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's like legit, like rocket scientist. So, yeah. but and I'm happy that Haskins is with Mike Tomlin yeah. because, like you just mentioned, sometimes it takes getting removed from one environment and put into a new environment for you to kind of like see, like, okay, you needed a refresher. And I think Mike Tomlin is a is a great coach, it, someone who can develop him. So I'm it's, it, yeah, it's stability too, right? Yeah. Like the Steelers, it's been Chuck Noll, you know, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin for like 40 years. That's it. Same ownership, three head coaches, it's a stable and patient organization. And that's a good environment for a quarterback that has had a bit of a rocky start to his career. He knows that, look, you know, Mike Tomlin's going to be there for the next five, 10 years, however long he wants, you know? And so there's not a need to sort of like panic to overreact to things. Like he can be stable and comfortable that this guy likes me and he's going to be here for a while. So I can just play quarterback. I don't have to worry about anything else. I, I think that's a great point. There's nothing like when there's like a strong relationship and respect 
with the quarter, with the whole locker room in the court right. can tell one thing about Mike, Mike Tomlin is that his locker room respects him and they low key can relate to him. Like he's super young as yeah. well. So I think that that's important. As much as, you know, a, being a Patriots guy, I yeah. kind of don't <laughs> like the Steelers. I have a ton of respect for what Mike Tomlin does with that for organization. Sure. Like, like you just pointed out, Rachel, like that locker, like he owns that locker room. He's not going to have fractures in that locker room or anything else. They know him. They trust him. I, I think the world of him as a head coach. And it helps that he's a warrior married guy. So he's got that yeah. going for him too. Yeah. I grew up a Baltimore Ravens fan in my our house is divided. My mom, my brothers, they like, well, my younger brother, they like the Steelers. So there, of course, there's that rivalry. But one thing I can always say is like, I respect the coach. Absolutely. So when you can respect the coach, you look at the team a little bit different because it's like, you know that he's working them and you know, like what he's putting them through, like for success. Right. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you touched on the Patriots and oh. we are currently, um, in the midst of joint practice with the Patriots as we prepare for week two of the preseason. Uh, so we see that there is some possible quarterback competition with Mac Jones and Cam Newton. So based off of their week one preseason game against Washington, what did you see? Did you see, what did you think about Mac Jones's performance? He looked good. I mean, I, you know, I, I still believe it, it's interesting, Rochelle. Patriots fans are really divided into two distinct camps. There's the pro Mac camp. There's the pro, you know, Cam Newton camp. Yeah. Um, the pro Mac camp, I think, grew a little bit over the weekend because he he was he was impressive to me. Mm-hmm. I I still think that Cam is their week one starter. Mm-hmm. I I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to start the season as a starting quarterback. But now I'm wondering how long he keeps that job. You know, because because Mac looked like he could run the offense. You know, he was aggressive downfield. You know, we just talked a lot about the miss hurts to Quez. There was a similar play where Mac had a vertical shot play that would have been a touchdown. Receiver basically dropped it at the end zone, but it was an aggressive read, an aggressive throw. He made a number of good decisions, quick decisions with the football, all the things that people thought the Patriots probably liked about him coming out of Alabama. You know, and then you look at Cam, who had, I think, maybe two drives and it, most of his throws were near the line of scrimmage. Like it was a very conservative offense. It didn't look dynamic. And New England did two things that made me think, Rachel, this is an actual quarterback competition and not just it's Cam's job. They got him earned to the game early against some of the Washington starters. Like they wanted to see Mac Jones against like the Chase Youngs of the world and things like that. And then in the start of the second half, they let him run a two-minute drill. They didn't get a chance to do it before halftime, but they wanted to see how he would do in a no-huddle environment, no-huddle scenario to get some film on him running that knee, ran it well. When you're starting to set up evaluation opportunities for your quarterback against starters in a two-minute drill situation, that tells me that you're not just trying to get the kid to learn. That's obviously part of it. But you want to really take a look at him to see if he could run against top flight players. If he can run a two minute drill at the end of the half, if you're playing Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in week four, which is coming to town. And that's the other thing that's in the back of my mind, right? Like Rochelle, I'm going to ask you to do something that's, that's terrifying. Okay. I'm going to ask you to be Bill Belichick for a moment. Okay. Okay. Cut the sleeves and all that. You've got a question about quarterback. Okay. You don't know if you want to start Mac Jones or or Mac Jones or Cam Newton. And it's week four. And Tom Brady's coming home. Ooh. Ooh. Right, right? See, that's the thing that's in the back of my mind. Do you yeah. want to put 
I'm asking you, Coach Belichick, do you want to put Mac Jones, let him make his first NFL start against the return of the prodigal son, Tom Brady? Yeah. Uh, um, based off of week one, he showed a lot of promise. He looked yeah. good. He looked good, but I don't, I don't know. That's a lot of confidence. That's a lot. Like, like something tells me if you were to take Bill Belichick away from, did you see the picture by the way of him doing squats at the gym? No, I didn't. I had heard, I have a friend at UCLA and when Belichick was out there like scouting players, he was like in the gym doing squats and somebody snapped a picture of him yesterday. It must've been a gym in Philadelphia or somewhere near what? Eagles training camp. And he's doing squats at the gym. He's got a visor on it. Like who squats wear a visor? By the way? Wait, wait. But yeah, you can find Belichick squatted, but do you, okay. Yeah. But do you, when you get Bill Belichick away from the squat rack, and yeah. so I, something tells me you get him away from the squat, squat rack to the bar, you get him a couple of beers, and you say, look, do you want to play Mac Jones against Tom Brady in week four? He's going to tell you no. no. Like, we're going to do everything we can to get past that. Yeah. And if we have to start Mac Jones early, it will be week five. Because I don't think you can throw him into that environment. No. he's. Not, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be ready that soon. Yeah. Well, and yeah, yeah. And plus, that stadium is going to be like packed, but it's going to be like 50 50 Brady Bucks fans. Like, there, there are a lot of New England fans that are like now Tampa Bay fans. Yeah. I don't know you throw the kid into that environment. No. And I feel like um, I heard a little bit of Jimmy and BLG talking about Cam and how, you know, he's done a lot in the past, but like you just mentioned, they don't know how much longer he's going to be able to last. So it was kind of like, all right, you know, start him right see what he can do but if he's not showing you any progress then that's when you weed him out yeah and, you know replace him with mac jones so maybe give him the chance up front because this, he might be on his way downhill yeah and, and it, it saddens me in a way because i've loved watching cam Newton like since his days at auburn like he, he when he was at auburn he was like must watch like stop what you're doing like th this guy's something special like he's different yeah um and it would be great to see him sort of recapture that. And he said, look, he's healthy for the first time since like 2016. Like, and I'm hopeful that, you know, they're going to, you know, be patient with him, like not expose him to hits, not run him a ton here in the preseason and then sort of unleash him in week one. And he looks great. He takes the job and he starts all 17 games and we worry about Mac next summer. Um, but I'm just not sure, Rachel. Like, see Mac a lot. looking good. We didn't see too much of Cam in the week one game. Right. So we want to see more of him and, you know, what he can do. Um, but I, I don't know. Based off of what I've just been hearing, I, I'm not too, like, confident that he's going to carry out throughout the entire season. He might yeah. – he just might get replaced. Yeah, he might. And, look, that, like I said, there's a pro-Mac Jones camp in New England that is growing by the day. And, I honestly, Boston media is, is a whole nother thing. Yeah. But Boston media seems to be all in on Mac Jones too. Like it does, you do get the sense that it's just a matter of time. Now, whether it's 2022, whether it's week five, whether it's week one, yeah. that remains to be seen. Um, I, I'm st I, I would still kind of put myself into the pro Mac. I mean, the pro cam cam. Um, I, I just look, I, I think he's such a tremendous talented quarterback and all the things you can do with him. Um, but I do think that that window is closing. Yeah. Okay, so I want to try something, and I think we can do this like each week. Grades, so yeah. the grade, uh, we'll do the Patriots first. 
So if you had to grade based off of week one, uh, Cam Newton and Mac Jones, what would you grade each of them? I mean, I, I think Cam's almost like an incomplete. Like he, he didn't play that ton. Um, if I would have be forced to put a grade on him, it's like a B minus. Like okay. he did the things that he was asked. Mac, I think was a B plus. Okay. Um, you know, he, he was impressive to me. And again, like you said, look, it was against twos, it was against threes, but they did get him a series against the ones where he looked okay. He looked confident. Um, the, the question for me is when things get more complex, like more different rotations, if he sees them this week, blitzes and things like that. So those are my grades. What about yours? Um, I think that's fair that you said Cam Newton was incomplete. Cause like you yeah. said, we didn't, we didn't really get to see too much of him. Um, Mac Jones, I'm going to go with a B. I'm going to go with a B average. Like, yeah. I think he showed a promise and start. I think there's definitely a bright future ahead for him. So, um, but continue get the reps in, continue and especially like once we actually see him against so some like first string. Yeah. And when the season actually starts, it's still preseason. So I'm gonna give him a B average. Uh Cam Newton, uh, I'll give him a B. I'll give him a B plus, sure. There okay. you go. I like it. With the Eagles, we didn't really touch too much on Nick Mullins, but he didn't look too good. So. No, no, he didn't. We really touched on him. <laughs> what would you agree each of them? Each of I mean, I, I would give her today minus. Um, I, I know he missed that throw, but I like the decisiveness. I know he didn't play a ton. I mean, Flacco's a, a B. I mean, you know, he had the quest touchdown, but like, look, I. I could have made that throw. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I was an awful quarterback, as I've said, but I think I could have made that throw. Uh, but look, Joe Flacco is, we're seeing it now in Dallas and other teams. Like, you don't have a backup quarterback. There's concern about Prescott. You need somebody that can step in, run the offense. And the thing about a veteran backup is you don't need Flacco to have a ton of practice time, right? Like, he, he knows what he has to do. So, I mean, I, I think he's an important piece to have. Mullins? Hmm. Is F minus possible? I mean, like, and I, I was somebody, Rachel, that like said like a while ago, like he was better than Garoppolo. Like I was a member of like the Nick Mullins trade. So longtime listeners to the QB factory know that I am very open and honest about my misses. And I wildly missed on Nick Mullins. My goodness. I, that was definitely piss poor. I feel yeah. like. And we thought at one point I was like, oh yeah, there might be a competition between Flacco and Mullins, but now we kind of like I don't no. think so. so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him like a D. I, he didn't do well at all. Um, I think Flacco, I'll give him a B plus. I think he did his job, yep. and uh, Hurts, I'll give a B plus as well because I think he did great. But I, of course, we want to see better. Right. Um, I think he did good. It didn't give me a reason to be concerned based off yeah. of his performance. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing, right? I don't think any Eagles fan should be worried right now. Like yeah. you saw Hertz, he did the things we asked about, did the things we talked about. So I think everybody can sort of take a breath, relax a little bit. Um, yeah. and then we'll see Thursday night. Hopefully it's it's more of the same. For sure. But yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday. Well, we're recording on Tuesday. You guys will get this on Wednesday, but we'll be back next week with the QB Back 3 reboot. Um, for you lovely listeners. Did you have anything that you wanted to say, Mark? Uh go Eagles. How about go that? Eagles. All right. So See, I know Chris used to say fly Eagles fly, but I that feels like I'm I'm stealing there. Oh, okay. I'm not a true Eagles fan. I, I can't say fly Eagles fly. Go Eagles. Okay, go Eagles. So yeah, make sure you guys are subscribing. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram and you guys keep uh up with all of the Eagles training camp content and stuff that we're gonna be dishing out this week. We're also gonna have an instant reaction show on Thursday after the uh, week two preseason game. So make sure you guys are on the lookout for that. But that's going to be a wrap here for QB Factory. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day.